Hi folks. Uh, it's the uh, penultimate day of my year-long kayaking journey uh, around Scotland. I set off from Tobermory on the 28th of August last year and uh, tomorrow on the 28th of August this year I returned to Tobermory for the first time in a whole year <laughs> and it's also the day that I turned 60 so for my 59th year I've been paddling around the coast of Scotland exploring the nooks and crannies and just really having an, an amazing time. That's been challenging as well and there have been moments of <laughs> difficulty but I would say 95% of the time it's just been an incredible experience and the other 5% well maybe tough but a huge amount to gain from those uh, those moments. <clears throat> what I thought I'd do on this uh, little piece talk about the the nuts and bolts I suppose of the of the trip so uh, I'm very used to talking about the the deeper meaning behind uh, my experiences in the outdoors and you know what I gain from um, from the adventure and uh, the activity and my immersion in nature but uh, I don't really talk a lot about the practicalities <laughs> so yeah there's a lot to share really with regard to the practicalities. So I'll do my best to do it in an ordered fashion so that it makes meaning for you. I'll go through my equipment first and uh, what I've uh, predominantly used throughout the year. My kayak is a, a Manta, M-A-N-N-T-A, -N -N uh, built by a chap called Stephen, Stephen Marsh, who calls himself Big Pond Kayaks. And uh, Stephen lives on the Isle of Man and designs and constructs kayaks, sea kayaks. And he has two, two main models and the Manta is, is one of them. And she's an expedition sea kayak, so She's designed for long periods of paddling away from civilization, I suppose. So designed to carry a lot of equipment to uh, sustain a person for a lengthy period of time. Um, I'd not seen the design before. I'd seen her specifications on the internet and photos of what uh, she looked like. But I'd not seen one of the kayaks before. I'd not seen anybody paddle a Manta. But there was something in how I viewed the specifications and there's something about her design which really appealed to me. And uh, I knew that uh, she would be a fantastic boat for my expedition. I guess it just boils down to my intuition really, having sea kayaked for nearly 40 years, having paddled many models of sea kayak and knowing the kind of kayak that I look for and the uh, attributes that I, you know, that I uh, value. And it seemed to me that the Manta ticked all those boxes. What I liked about the way Stephen described the boat was, uh, was her turn of speed. You know, she's uh, a fast boat. Her manoeuvrability, she has uh, a generous rocker on her, even though she's got a long keel line. And her capacity as well, in terms of uh, what she can carry, her load. And also liked what I could see of his... Um, 
his cockpit design, you know, the way he designed the cockpit, he put a lot of thought into the ergonomic attributes of the cockpit, which would make paddling for long periods of time comfortable. I decided to buy one from Stephen, so I bought uh, this kayak, unseen, and I paddled across with my Nigel Dennis designed, uh, well, Nigel Dennis's uh, Explorer kayak, which I'd used to paddle around Scotland, and it was a fantastic expedition boat. So I paddled that across to the Isle of Man, and uh, I left that one there for Stephen to refurbish. And I picked up Ruendo, which is the name I've given this kayak, and paddled her back to, to the Scottish mainland. So that was a trial by fire, and um, she performed perfectly. She has become the best sea kayak I have ever paddled, um, by far. I really can't fault this kayak in any way whatsoever. She's comfortable, incredibly comfortable. Um, I'm a, a small and slight paddler, so um, I wear her well from that point of view, and uh, she accommodates me really, really comfortably. She's fast, so I can cruise effortlessly in her. She holds her line well, which means that uh, I can set her course and I don't have to keep correcting that course with extra paddle strokes. I can generally paddle solidly without having to do wider sweep strokes or other turning strokes to, to bring her back into line. The greatest attribute, I think, of all um, is her seaworthiness. She's loaded, obviously, with all my kits, so she sits low in the water, but she sits well in the water. That's the, that's the key. She holds the water well. She holds the sea well. And uh, no matter what configuration of uh, tempestuous sea state is uh, thrown at her, she will ride it with grace and with ease. She's not a flighty kayak in any way whatsoever. There's never been a moment where I have found myself worried about capsizing on this journey. Not one point have I felt I've had to put in an emergency support stroke or a panic slap on the surface of the water with my, my paddle blade. And as I've got to know her, so my ability to enter adventurous situations increased and I found myself placing myself in uh, situations which I would never have thought possible for me as a, as a solo kayaker. Not that I was reckless, but I would, you know, I would confidently enter caves when the sea state was really, really rough. And uh, I just knew that the kayak would respond to every paddle stroke that I, I conducted and she would ride the waves. I wouldn't have to worry about her seaworthiness at all. All I needed to do was just guide her to where I wanted her to be. And in terms of load carrying, well, crikey, she is a TARDIS of note. I mean, I paddled all through the winter and uh, that meant carrying a considerable amount of extra clothing. I carried a lot of extra food and I was able to pack everything I needed to keep me warm and comfortable throughout the winter on a consistent daily basis and have room to spare uh, at the end of the, the packing process. There would, be, there would be a bit of space in each compartment. So uh, as an expedition kayak, you know, I don't think for me there will be a better design. St Stephen's attention to detail is, is, is admirable. Just, uh, just the small, yeah, just the small things really. <laughs> Putting in extra space for the deck compartment 
the way the toggles fit onto the boat. Yeah, and the way he's managed to create a, a skeg configuration that works incredibly well, and yet doesn't have a skeg box in the stern compartment, which t takes up an inordinate, inordinate, inordinate amount of space, which makes packing a pleasure. Yeah, just, just great, really, all round. So that's the Manta. Kayak clothing, I've ended up with a Palm Brora dry suit, which I bought from Outside Edge in Oban, halfway through December last year. So this has been my main piece of kit, paddling kit, since then. And uh, so I've been wearing it for the last possibly 2,000 odd miles of kayaking, and it's served me perfectly well. Um, it was brilliant through the winter. I never felt cold, always felt dry at the end of the day. Uh, I may have perspired a bit and my clothing you know, may have been damp from perspiration but it was never damp from the elements and it remained uh, watertight right up until now. Sadly I've worn a couple of holes into it um, and I've had to patch them up but those only occurred within the last couple of weeks of the journey and I think that's happened because I've not been able to rin rinse the, the, uh, the suit in fresh water um, very often and I think the salt build up you know what, what happens is is the crystals salt crystals will wear away at the at the seams where the seams move the cloth will tear but I've only you know I've only had a couple of holes as a result of that and I've easily patched those and, and it, the suit's still watertight uh, one of the latex cuffs my left hand cuff has now frayed and there's a slight tear in it but a latex cuff can be replaced so I think there's life in the in the suit yet. Once I get it back and I wash it, you know, continue to use it, I think. And I highly recommend it as an expedition suit. I mean, I used it throughout the summer. You know, it may have been a bit of overkill wearing, a, you know, an expedition spec, you know, uh, all year round dry suit <laughs> on those hot still days. But um, I always felt confident wearing it and able to paddle accordingly, you know, in the knowledge that if I ever did go over, you know, I, I stood a great chance of not getting hypothermia and um, succumbing to the cold of the sea. And I've loved wearing it. It's been easy to, to put on, certainly very easy to disrobe from it and uh, very, very comfortable to wear. Um, I'm only a, a small person, but I, you know, the, the, the size I went for is a large and it fits me well. I'm very, very pleased with it. With my suit, I have a buoyancy aid and that's a Palm Kaikoura. And again, very, very pleased with it. Just ideal for me, really. It's a um, very snug fit. I wear it well. Very, very happy with it. Plenty of storage space. I mean, I'm not a great one for carrying loads of accoutrements. So, um, you know, one pocket I have my VHF radio in. The other pocket, camera. And then I have a handheld compass and my personal locator beacon as well. And that's all really. And in the back compartment I have a two litre water bladder for drinking with a tube that comes over my shoulder. 
So the buoyancy aid is, is fantastic and yeah, I just love putting it on. <laughs> and then I've got a, um, a Peak UK neoprene spray deck with bungees, elastics. So I can put my map underneath the elastics and it will sit there safely. And that's lasted for the whole trip. Been very, very good. Very pleased with it. my paddles so uh, I'm using Aquabound paddles 115 centimeters in length they split into half uh, so uh, one pair will sit on my stern deck and uh, and I've used one pair as my main set my main paddle throughout the whole trip and this is a, a fully carbon paddle um, I can't give you the, the exact weight of it but um, yeah it's the lightest paddle I've ever used um, I chose their, their whiskey design. It's a large, almost white water sized blade. So it's not a touring blade by any means. The reason I chose it is because one, I'm a fairly tr traditional kayaker. You know, I grew up with using white water blades for my sea kayaking. And, uh, and so I'm used to the feel of them and how I use them and I'm confident with them. And secondly, I knew that the nature of this journey would be paddling close into the shore and I wouldn't be doing long, open, sustained crossings and passages that most of my kayaking would be exploring the nooks and crannies of the coastline. And uh, with this in mind, I, I realized that I needed a blade that would give me an instant power to move myself out of difficulty if I needed to or instant power when I needed to stop and slow down and paddle backwards. Also, a larger blade gives me confidence personally when um, the sea is rough. So knowing that I'd be close in, would, I'd likely be in conditions where, you know, I'd be encountering breaking waves, difficult currents and choppy seas. And to have a blade which I could rely on to support me if needed, you know, literally support me with, a, with support strikes was important to me. So I chose the whiskey blade over, I don't know what their touring blade is called. And I've, I'm very, very pleased that I have. And uh, they've, you know, they've, they've served me well. You know, that despite being separated daily, you know, the, the, you know the, the paddle that I use and clipped together daily, there is no play at all uh, at the joint. The joint is as firm and as snug uh, now as it was the day that I received the paddles and uh, that is a testament of excellent um, quality and they're incredibly durable as well I mean I've sadly smacked into so many barnacle encrusted rocks with them and they've they've come away with us with slight scratching but the edges of the bra blades have um, are showing no signs of wear at all um, they're sharp now as they were when I when I got them so incredibly pleased and what I like about them as well is that um, the, the feather can be altered uh, without having to do, undo bolts or use um, allen keys or uh, levers or any kind like that. 
just uh, press the buttons in, pull the joint apart slightly and then twist it to the feather, you know, adjust the feather as required. The feather being the angle between the two blades. And I have it set at 30 degrees just because it helps my, my tendency to get uh, um, joint pain in my right wrist. And um, I've not had that at all. And to be honest, I've not had to alter the feather, even paddling into the wind. You know, I've kept the feather at 30 degrees. So, those are the paddles. On my deck, I have a uh, Northwater Expedition deck bag, uh, which fits underneath the deck the deck elastics, the bungees. Velcro's on back onto itself, and uh, you know it's, it's bomb-proof like that. To be honest, um, and inside my deck bag, I've got uh, my lunch, <laughs> um, normally a hot drink. I've got my phone in a waterproof case. I've got a camera in a waterproof case. I have a bag with a couple of action cameras in it. I've got a, another action camera on a, on a pole. And then on either side of the deck bag, there are attachments for a hand pump, if I needed to pump my cockpit out, and a paddle float. And I've chosen a, an inflatable paddle float. So I inflate it with my mouth, so it folds up and sits underneath the, the, the attachment points of the, uh, the deck bag. And uh, yeah, so um, that's been great. I have a, a silver compass, silver S-I-L-V-A. Can't remember the specification for it, what it's uh, actually called, but it's the compass with um, elastics and clips. And uh, for a while I used to keep that on top of my deck bag and clip it into my, my deck lines. I've since moved that onto my forward hatch cover and clipping it onto deck lines there because um, I know that in the hatch there isn't anything metallic to um, interfere with the, the magnetic compass. So um, whereas on the deck bag, I realized that, you know, I had my cameras and thermos flask, metal thermos flask, which uh, I'm sure affected the polarity of the compass. And then I have a, a nice compartment on the deck that Sir Stephen created, in that I've got a couple of uh, flares, a hand, handheld flare and a handheld uh, smoke just in case of emergency and that's where I keep my kayak repair materials so uh, gel coat filler, emergency patches, uh, <laughs> bungee lines, guy, um, deck line replacements, all the things I need to repair my kayak if, uh, if, if necessary which actually happened sadly. <laughs> the other day I, I punched a hole in my kayak and what a good job I had all the kit that I needed to fill the hole and then gel coat it over it and it's now watertight. Probably be like that now for the rest of its life, I guess, unless I uh, cut it out and, and do a proper repair. So uh, so there we are. Um, I'm just trying to think as I speak. Oh, I have a, um, a deck tow, you know, a, a contact tow line on my deck, which I, I made myself. I use that not because I'm paddling with anybody else, but I use it just in case I find myself needing to clip myself into my boat. So if, um, if I was to go over, I'd, I'd use it to tether myself to the kayak so the kayak doesn't drift away from me. Or um, 
I've used it, uh, for example, coming alongside a pontoon, you know, and I've needed to tether the kayak so it doesn't float away. But uh, I have to say, I think the only time I ever used it was on the Fourth Clyde Canal. <laughs> Once when I um, was having to haul the kayak out onto a pontoon and for a short while I had to leave it unattended and so I tethered it to the pontoon with the line. That was it. For a while I did wear a uh, waist tow line. Not be again because I was going to be paddling with anybody else and I'd have to maybe tow another kayaker. But just in case I had to swim ashore and, and, um, and then pull the kayak in after me using my tow line. Um, I quickly worked out that the likelihood of having to do that on this journey was incredibly minimal. It was just something that was a, a real faff to wear, to be honest. And uh, so I, I discarded that and not used it. I don't have a helmet and I've never worn a helmet. I personally don't see the need to wear a helmet, even though I've been paddling close up into rocky areas and into caves. Um, I prefer not to wear a helmet. I find for me wearing a helmet adds a layer of disconnection between me and, and what's going on. So um, yeah, I just don't wear a helmet. And um, to be honest again, you know, if I was to capsize, I don't think the issue would be a bang in my head on the rocks. Right, <laughs> and thinking about where to go next. nowhere to go so a map so I use uh, a large-scale road map <laughs> the Ordnance Survey road map of uh, West Scotland or North Scotland or South Scotland I don't use a 150 th in thousand map I just find that because I'm traveling long distances that I, I would get through pay those those scale maps very very quickly so I just use the large-scale map and it's uh, sufficient and it gives me the information I need because they do have contours. You know, they, there's enough definition there for me to, to work out which headland I'm looking at or which bay I can see or which island I'm paddling past. And uh, what I do use is the mapping I have on my phone. So I subscribe to the Ordnance Survey mapping software. And um, even if I don't have a signal, you know, I've I can download what I need to onto my phone and with my phone's GPS I can use that to um, pinpoint where I am and I can use it when I'm at sea to work out places to land or things I need to avoid or things of interest to explore really as well and I use the Ordnance Survey mapping in the evenings when I'm planning my, my next day so um, I can use them to work out the best place to stop and uh, the best landing spots, possible landing spots. And of course, the, great, the nice thing is, is the ability to look at um, aerial photographs as part, of the, as part of the package. The ability to see a likely landing spot and campsite on the map on, and then to check it out in more detail with an aerial photograph has been really, really useful on this journey and uh, has meant that I've been able to make some pretty accurate decisions about where to land and uh, enjoy a lovely campsite. It's also good for calculating distances and things like that without having to use a piece of string 
and a ruler <laughs> to make use of that technology. And then I, I have a Garmin GPS, very basic Garmin GPS, and I've just used that to record my route so that I have a, a record, an accurate record of my route of the day. And then I use it as well to determine my progress throughout the day in terms of ground covered and uh, my speed over the ground when I'm paddling just to help me work out how long it will take me to reach a certain point or how far I've traveled. To be honest, I don't use the GPS a huge amount. And then in the same Aquapack bag, uh, I have my yellow brick GPS device, which sends out a, a signal every half hour, pinpointing my location so that people can follow my route online. The other useful feature of, of this unit is that I can use it to link my phone to the unit and uh, send emails and messages via the satellite system. You know, if I don't have um, phone coverage, which is often the case here on the west coast of Scotland, um, so I, I can link in with my yellow brick with my phone accompanying app. And so I can make contact with my wife or just send messages to the people I, I want to send messages to. And the other aspect of this uh, unit is that it has a, a red button. So it, it uh, can act as, a, as an emergency beacon as well. And so if I was to press that button, a uh, signal would go through to, to the appropriate authorities and a rescue initiated. And I can, if I wanted to, there's the presets so I could, along with that, you know, detail what the issue is so that um, people will know what to expect. So, you know, capsized in the water, need help, uh, injured. You know, you can write them yourself and, and then have them as presets. But I've not had to use that and uh, no intention of using it. And I have a personal locator beacon as well, which will probably, you know, in terms of priority would be the one emergency piece of uh, a kit that I would use over the, over the yellow brick device because the, uh, the PLB is registered to me and, and it will act, you know, will actively uh, reflect my position constantly. Whereas this, I think, because even though I've pressed the red button, would probably still send a signal at, you know, at a predefined time. Uh, there, so that's that. talk about my footwear and what I wear underneath my dry suit. Well, uh, you know, I have a, a Yak Rush paddling top, which I'm wearing. Um, and then I also have a, a pair of Trespass swimming shorts and I don't wear any leggings underneath my dry suit. I have a pair of socks. I wear Wellies Wellington boots, plastic bog standard Wellington boots. I find these the most comfortable things to wear. I don't, I don't wear any specialised um, kayaking footwear. Uh, the Wellingtons very rarely fill up with water, even when I'm wading, because uh, they fit underneath the outer cloth of the dry suit. And so the dry sock obviously goes inside the Wellington, and then there's an outer layer of dry suit that goes over the, the, the boot itself and uh, fixes around the, the cuff of the boot nice and snugly. and. Uh, so it means that there's not much water ingress when I'm wading. And if I was to swim and I, f I was to find that the boots were hindering me, I can kick them off and discard them in an emergency and still have dry feet. But uh, they, they're, they're just right, you know, 
because I'm landing solo and um, you know often need to move quickly over broken ground you know like the be rocky beaches and such that uh, wellies are really good for that you know don't get uh, sore feet or <laughs> worry about falling over and slipping and on my head I wear a, a baseball cap and in the winter time I would wear uh, just an ordinary beanie nothing nothing fancy and that's it Right, uh, so in terms of kit then, everyday kit, well of course I have a tent and at the moment I'm using a Van Gogh Apex Geo, kindly donated to me by Van Gogh. It's my fifth tent of the trip. For a long time I was using uh, Terra Nova equipment Quasar. I started out with the Quasar, which is a great all-weather tent, very, very durable, but you know, we'd had it for well over 10 years and it was very old. I knew it wouldn't last the trip, but it uh, saw me well into autumn before I had to replace it because the seams were coming apart and, and the poles were breaking. And so Terra Nova reached out and uh, I got a, a trisar from them, or I chose a trisar. I didn't know it at the time, but I could have chosen to accept a, uh, another quasar. But anyway, I got a trisar and that lasted me until just after Christmas, so a few months, about three months, and then one night, an incredible storm came through and I uh, had to have a new tent because the poles snapped and uh, ripped through the, the fly sheet. So the tent was actually unusable. It wasn't a case of having to replace the poles. It was the tent itself that needed replacing, sadly. And uh, again, Terranova, you know, very, very good. But this time they gave me a, a quasar. And this lasted me for most of the summer. Well, until I got round... Duncansby and started coming down the east coast and then all of a sudden the poles just started breaking really really regularly I think um, it's just uh, exposure to salty atmosphere even though I take great care with them and uh, they started breaking and um, at the time I didn't approach uh, Terra Nova equipment about the issue because I felt like um, you know they'd been good enough to give me a tent and I didn't want to seem like I was complaining and being awkward and I certainly couldn't afford to buy a new set of poles from them so uh, Instead, bought a, a Berghaus Grampian tent. So it's a similar geodesic design to the, the Quasar. And it seemed, to begin with, it seemed like a, a really good, good tent because as opposed to the Quasar, you could pitch it in a, I mean, outer first and then put the inner up inside. So it meant the inner didn't get wet in uh, rainy conditions. But um, after a month of using it, the poles just began to disintegrate, literally. You know, they... I'd be sitting in the tent and it wouldn't be very windy at all and all of a sudden I'd hear this ping and the pole would have snapped and uh, I ended up, I think every, every pole had uh, broken at, at some point and um, the, the cross poles, one pole was broken in three places. It was just disheartening. <laughs> I just couldn't use the tent. I'd purchased uh, pole repair kits to cover the breakages and so I could cover all the breakages but it was just impossible in the end because uh, it meant that the poles didn't fold up. And uh, in the end, I was having to carry one pole on the stern deck because um, it didn't fit inside the compartments of the kayak because I couldn't fold it up. And of course, then that, that just exposed it even more to this, the sea salt and what have you. Karen, my wife, brought me a, a small 
wild country tent that we, we had, which worked for a while. But unbeknownst to me, Van Gogh had been watching my tweets or my postings in what used to be Twitter and uh, got in touch with me and said, would I like to become, you know, one of their brand ambassadors? And uh, here I am. I have one of their, their tents. And uh, so the fifth tent and it's proving to be very 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 durable because when i was out on egg and it's an incredible storm on egg and uh, it stood up well to that camped in a very exposed place and i was worried that the poles would break but they didn't and it stood up well and it's easy to put up and very very comfortable to to use it's a huge space <laughs> um, don't know myself inside and a really good cooking area as well lovely you know sheltered cooking area so that's what i'm using now have a Thermarest inflatable mat, one of those mats that you blow up with the, the storage sack. And that's my, again, I think it's my fifth sleeping mat. It's just, I think just because I'm, I just use these things solidly. So it's eventually they, they get a hole somehow through use. So I've had to replace my, my mats. And then I got a, uh, when I was an hour and I got, got rid of my, my old sleeping bag well, I gave it back to Karen, but I, uh, I bought myself a, a mountain equipment, a down bag, a helium 400, I think. That's what it is. kind of wish I'd got the helium 600, which was on sale at the same time. But um, I lived with the 400 and it's been perfect. Just a couple of days in the winter time when it was very, very cold, did I feel a little bit chilled at night. And kind of wish I'd gone for the... the the next level up but um, having said that it would have been far too hot to use during the summer so as it's turned out the 400 has probably been the better choice and uh, that's been perfect despite being exposed to fairly damp conditions and used and abused it's uh, still a really good sleeping bag and and I got that in October last year so yeah it's, it's, it's what I've been using it certainly needs to encounter a washing machine at some stage but uh, now I'm very, very, very happy with that. Cooker-wise, I started out with a, a small one-person trangier, a meths-burning trangier, and that, that served me for the majority of my trip. And then when summer arrived, I got a, um, a wood-burning stove. I bought a wood-burning stove in Ullapool, a Highlander wood-burning stove, so gasification stove. But I couldn't quite get it to work, so I ended up buying a, a, a flat-pack ordinary wood stove that clips together. It can burn fairly sizable pieces of driftwood in it. I sent my Tranger back home and I've been using that flat pack stove ever since with a, um, a cook set, you know, just a, a pot and a lid. I mean, I, I kept the, the meth burner from the Tranger. I put that on the base plate of the, the wood burning stove and I've used that when need be. I also bought um, eco fire lighters, like compressed cardboard type fire lighters, natural and uh, I have a wee metal dish that sits on the base of the, of the, the wood burner and five of those fire lighters would boil a pot of water 
So um, I've used those as well. But when it's been dry and there's never a shortage of uh, driftwood, I've sat outside and cooked using the driftwood and made cups of tea and drinks using driftwood and there's something incredibly pleasurable about that. So um, my meth's usage in terms of um, fuel became incredibly inexpensive for the latter part of my journey for the last four months. Five months maybe. Hardly used uh, three litres at all. In fact, I've got a litre left. So I'm um, very pleased with that. And all the rest is, is luxuries, really. You know, like cameras and recording equipment. And power banks to support those electrical items. I have a, um, a solar panel which I bought quite expensive about 80 quid but when the sun shines and even when it's not shining very brightly but there is sun it will charge my phone and my cameras pretty quickly but I also have uh, battery banks for 20,000 milliamp hour battery banks and I charge those up when I've been kind enough when I've been lucky enough, rather kindly offered uh, accommodation, I've <laughs> plugged in, plugged them in, and so uh, they they've been uh, invaluable certainly through the winter months when I needed to charge things up. I had a Wi-Fi dongle, so I'm on O2 for my phone, but I also have an EE -E Wi-Fi dongle. Invariably, when I don't get an O2 signal, if I use the dongle, I can get uh, internet, so I can still you know stay in touch using that. Lots of uh, journals and notebooks, pens, general repair kit, you know, tent repair and patches and needle and thread and glues of some sort. All been useful at some stage. So I have those in a waterproof container. Pen knives, Allen keys, you know, hex, hex keys. Uh, my iPhone, I've got an iPhone, that's been good. Uh, oh yeah, another thing is uh, my iPad. managed to look after it until a few days ago when I knelt on it stupidly and cracked the screen, but it still works. But it's annoying to have a cracked screen. Um, but the iPad has been invaluable uh, for editing f footage and when I've been staying at places to, to use the internet and browse the web. When I've stayed places where there's been Wi-Fi, I've downloaded films onto my iPad. And uh, yeah, particularly through the winter months, I would curl up my sleeping bag and watch a film <laughs> that I'd downloaded, which was a pleasure. First aid kits. Um, Nothing fancy, bandages, plasters, swabs, things like that. Because I paddling alone, I don't really, you know, I don't need to be thinking about caring for anybody else or life support of any sort. So it's just, um, just things to staunch bleeding really and patch up cuts and things like that, grazes. And then I have my uh, medication for my depression, antidepressants. And then I have medication for my gout when it happens. And then I also carry painkillers as well.
then I'd have room for a bottle of whiskey. I normally have a bottle of whiskey with me. It's a, a wee treat. I don't drink a huge amount. I'm not, not somebody who quaffs, you know, more than five drams a night. <laughs> no, just a, just a dram or two in the evening. And not every evening, of course. Sometimes I, don't, I choose not to have a dram, but I do enjoy a dram. And then food-wise, well, I'm not a gourmet camp cook. So most of my food's been rice and sauces and like veggie chili and things like that. And the rices have been those those packet rices like Tilda or Uncle Ben type rices and in packets that you know microwave packets, but they work equally well in a hob, in a pot rather, you know, with a a mixture to go in. And then uh, pasta and pasta sauce and uh, you know various configurations. I tend to buy macaroni more than anything else. So when I had the trangia, I would, uh, you know, cook up meals like that. But then when I moved on to using the fire stove, I've got a, a soup flask. And so what I'd do is, is I'd buy dehydrated pasta with, with mis- mixes and then just put them in the fl- soup flask and then fill them up with boiling water. And I'd leave it to stand for about 10 to 15 minutes and then I'd have a meal. Yeah, so uh, I have to admit my diet hasn't been the most wholesome, I would think. I'd buy fruit, uh, you know, consumer of apples. I love apples, oranges. And my lunches would be just snack bars. Cadbury brunch bars have been my favourite throughout the whole year, really. Inexpensive, but um, very, very tasty and get me through. Uh, Coffee, a a wee MSR coffee filter. Just sits in the mug, put your coffee in and then pour water in. And there you have a, a mug of coffee. And I like my two coffees in the morning. And that's, that'll do me for the day. Green tea, lemon and ginger tea, or a ginger tea of some sort, or peppermint tea. Those are my, my choices. And uh, through the winter and well into the spring and probably into the early summer, I would um, make up a flask, a thermos flask, which I would have during the day. But uh, during the summer, I haven't, I haven't bothered. Instead, I've um, made up diluted orange drinks and uh, drunk them as I've been paddling. In terms of reading matter, I didn't. I haven't carried any books. I had a book at the beginning of the trip. Downloaded books, so I have uh, books to read on my phone. But uh, what I found I've been doing in the evenings is um, well, just reading the news, on the BBC website, and um, watching YouTube. It's my kind of like switch off thing, really. And of course, uh, keeping up to date with my social media where possible. But uh, to be honest, I'd be in bed. Even through the summer, I'd be in bed by about nine o'clock and certainly asleep by ten. By the time I've got off the water and sorted myself out and everything, the evening soon flies by. So I think that's about it in terms of kit and uh, bits and bobs. So I hope you found this interesting. I've rambled on. Yeah, if you have any questions, any specific questions about, you know, the, the makes and, and, you know, what kind of cameras I had and um, what have you, then, then please, please get in touch and ask because uh, I'll, uh, I'll happily um, pass that information on to you. Right then. So thanks very much for listening to this. Yeah, speak to you soon. All the best. Bye-bye.